Hello all, welcome to Strange as Fiction. I'm your host, Austin Miller, and this is episode 30. Can you believe it? I actually set a goal and stuck to it for 30 weeks in a row. Unbelievable. Anyways, this episode is about the making of Star Wars. Last week we talked, you know, about the story behind the story, how George Lucas came up with it, kind of his early days uh, creating the script, and how... You know, Harrison Ford and some others fell into the roles. And this week we're talking mostly about the cultural impact of Star Wars. So if you stick around with me till the end of the show, you will learn about some kind of hardcore fans. Why does this drive the fandom it does and have its impact? Like, I mean, there's tons of great movies out there, but there are very few franchises and stories that have people tattooing things all over their bodies, putting stickers on their cars, identifying themselves as Star Wars fans above any other kind of social factor like that's how they literally identify themselves so uh releases today and so we'll dive into that but first some news starting with uh guardians of the galaxy 3 trailer finally dropping this last week so for those of you who don't know guardians is probably one of if not my favorite like marvel property that being said some of their movies are better than others the first one was amazing second one was was good but the, the second half kind of drug on and, and i just really didn't like that ending but i've seen the movies played the games read the books all that i think it's a great show and this is kind of supposed to be the last hoorah like the trailer points to the fact of you know this is our last ride let's ride into the sky one more time kind of thing and you know that's what we see in the trailer but outside of the actual trailer and video we've heard rumblings of james gunn you know maybe potentially not continuing with guardians of the galaxy he did just join Mar- uh, dc so <laughs> that would make sense that he's not on marvel properties anymore the actor who plays drax uh has said he wouldn't play any more movies if james gunn's not attached uh anyways all signs kind of point to this being the last hurrah for guardians as we know them not to say we won't have spinoffs with certain characters but the trailer is definitely definitely pointing to a more ominous epic uh serious guardians is that of course there's gonna be humor that's what makes guardians guardians but uh this definitely this trailer is definitely different than you know previous iterations there's always been some kind of like you know big thing that they land into right they, they stumble into some heist or you know uh planetary uh problem but this one seems like it's just different right it's bigger it's it could be the last one and one of the things that is so good about guardians is the music always and and they always introduce you to new music. And this trailer, we already are hearing some dope tracks. I actually had to look up the name of this one. I didn't know who sang, sung it, but it's called In the Meantime by Space Hog. Uh, yeah, this guy, James Gunn, finds some deep cuts when it comes to music. I'm sure this song will be trending like crazy, just like the uh, Running Up the Hill started trending with Stranger Things and how all the songs in the first Guardians just went viral as, as, after that movie came out. So I'm looking forward to the music. Uh, kind of interesting, Space Hog is a 90s tune, so maybe we're getting a little more 90s. You know, the story's progressing. Groot looks a little bit older here. So, you know, they kind of did an 80s thing for a little while. Maybe we're going to get a lot of 90s tracks this time around. So uh, we'll see. But trailer looks great. Um, excited to see what comes with the movie. Next up, we have Splash Mountain closing forever. According to a report from USA Today, Splash Mountain is set to close on January 23rd. The water ride is closing after being criticized for its idyllic portrayal of plantation life with its current Briar Rabbit story tied to the 1946 Disney film Song of the South. Disney CEO Bob Iger said at March 2020 shareholders meeting that even with the disclaimer, he felt that Song of the South was just not appropriate in today's world. A petition to change Splash Mountain's theme went viral the same year and Disney announced plans to do so. So, (coughs) 
this that that uh little snippet came from cbsnews.com uh splash mountain's a great ride one of the most famous rides essentially they are closing it forever i don't think the actual ride um is necessarily gone gone um i think they're gonna mostly retheme it maybe they'll add some new elements to it but they're gonna retheme it with the princess and the frog right which is like the um only kind of mainstream black princess character that disney has so they're kind of uh trying to correct a, a past wrong here by you know retheming it um with the princess and the frog which you know honestly i don't know the song uh i don't know the lyrics if, if there's some problematic stuff then I'm, I'm happy that they're they're changing it uh and nothing wrong with you know bringing new stuff to to disney like like those parks always are changing i mean imagine if everything was just it's a small world now today right that'd be a pretty boring park um i love seeing the old stuff right i want them to always keep some things there but um they have to continue to change and iterate and so it totally makes sense but one thing i will say is uh how many of you who have ridden the ride actually knew that it had any attachment to the song of the south film or any of these uh kind of outdated plantation life portrayals i had no idea uh maybe i'm completely blind maybe i'm uh just not observant but i had no idea i have a feeling most people didn't even know that um it's just kind of funny whenever we like do these things right you like make a make a big deal out of changing it you bring way more attention to um the original intent and the message and the songs and the content uh that then would have ever been on that in the first place so just something to think about just kind of interesting but um hopefully the new ride is good and fun because splash mountain is a classic. Uh, we also have uh, James McAvoy refusing to campaign for the Atonement Oscar because it, quote, felt cheap. Via IndieWire, McAvoy's experience helping his last King of Scotland co-star Forrest Whitaker campaign for an Oscar soured him on the process. Essentially, James McAvoy, uh, you know, helped his buddy um, Forrest Whitaker kind of campaign for an Oscar. And, you know, I think there's two takeaways here. He's soured on the process of doing this, like kind of going out and campaigning during nomination, Oscar season, um, which is pretty cool. It's just cool to see a guy be like, you know what, I'm I'm not about like pimping myself out just for these awards. Uh, I'm, I'm about the art and I don't have to like fit with this Hollywood mold as everyone else. You know, it's, it's always cool to see someone kind of just take their own path and go with it. Kind of like Daniel Day-Lewis did, you know, um, so I love seeing that, but the other aspect we have here is the politics behind these awards. I had no idea. I mean, I think we all know there's politics in every award system, right? That's not like completely merit-based, right? Like if someone's a weightlifting competition, they lift 100 pounds, okay, there's no politics there. They they outlifted the other person. Hopefully it's more than 100 pounds, by the way. Uh, but, there, but there's no way for politics to really enter there. And you know, of course there's politics with when it comes to arts and awards and those types of things. But to hear kind of the process, how the sausage is made, with awards and that they're actually out there meeting shaking hands smoothing these people who are decision makers uh kind of soured me as well i mean i'm I think the awards for quite a while have kind of been going downhill. Um, you know, by the numbers, people don't watch them as much as they used to. But this kind of, uh, I don't know, just rubbed me the wrong way to like think about actors, uh, studio heads, creatives, you know, making the rounds before award season. And as if we're like campaigning for, you know, a political seat here and shaking hands and, you know, probably taking people out to dinner and doing who knows what. Uh, it just kind of saddens me like the art is not is not at the forefront here you know there's so many other elements that come into play that are just are just icky let's put it that way uh last piece of news um is the de-aging of harrison ford for indie right we talked a little bit about the new uh 
um, indie movie coming out. That's Indiana Jones, right? Uh, it's gonna be the fifth movie for Harrison Ford. And, you know, they're gonna, they, they talked about de-aging him in a couple of scenes. So I don't know if you guys have watched Star Wars, um, The Mandalorian. Don't want to spoil any particular scenes, but they do some de-aging of some popular characters. Essentially, they use CGI to either make dead characters or uh, really old characters seem really young and agile again. And it is pretty impressive to see the CGI, but it definitely kind of takes you out of the moment and it's obvious, right? Another good example is the Scorsese, Robert De Niro um, movie. I think it was called We Paint Houses um, about Jimmy Hoffa. And they da Robert De Niro there. And it's just something a little kind of uncanny valley when you're watching it. Uh, according to IndieWire or Hollywood Reporter, four decades later, there have been a lot more years and a lot of mileage on 80-year-old Ford. So for the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, director James Mangold, who took over helming the franchise from Steven Spielberg, has concocted a sequence where viewers will be able to experience Ford slash Indy back in his prime. According to the upcoming issue of Empire, the film's opening will be set in 1944, about eight years after the events of the Raiders took place. De-aging technology will have Ford going up against Nazis in a castle. Old footage of the actor was utilized to help create the illusion, along with the actor's original jacket from the Raiders. Uh, here's a quote from um, the one of the main creators here. Ford insists the new film, which hasn't yet revealed its title, successfully pulls off a retro indie. This is the first time I've seen the technology where I believe it, the actor said. It's a little spooky. I don't think I even want to know how it works, but it works. So, you know, we expect them to say this. We expect them to say it looks great or else they wouldn't use it, right? But according to them, um, you know, they they say this one is the one that starts to make things look real, like creepily real, that uh, you can't tell it's CGI at all. So we will see. TBD, guys, we will see. I hope the de-aging scenes are few and far between because we really don't need that distracting us from uh the story itself that ends it for all the news this week and let's jump into the weekly releases all right so this week we have one release i'm going to talk about there were you know most people are holding out their releases for kind of these last couple of weeks of the year um in late december so this early slate is pretty bare but there's one show that looks phenomenal i am going to ask my buddy for his showtime password because uh this is the first show that's like okay i gotta i gotta watch on showtime so it's called george and tammy and according to showtime description starring oscar winner jessica chastain and oscar nominee michael shannon george and tammy chronicles the county the country music power couple tammy wynette and george jones whose complicated but enduring relationship inspired some of the most iconic music of all time remembered as the first lady of country music wynette's most successful song stand by your man remains one of the most iconic and best-selling country singles by a female artist. Known for his once-in-a-lifetime voice, George Jones' song, He Stopped Loving Her Today, is still widely called the greatest country song of all time. With over 30 number one country songs between them, including duets, We're Gonna Hold On, Golden Ring, and Near You, George and Tammy's legacy, both musically and romantically, remains one of the greatest love stories ever told. And, you know, it looks phenomenal. Jessica Chastain is a great actress, and Michael Shannon's a great actor. Uh, it That drops um december 4th so that actually dropped yesterday i didn't shout it out in last week's release so i just kind of wanted to make that known it is the most um exciting thing happening this week i believe uh in terms of new releases uh still a lot of great shows rolling tulsa king for example they just dropped their latest episode on sunday and it was it was a banger it was a fun one um but george and tammy looks great and my wife and i actually we went 
to Nashville. She had a miscarriage and we had a trip planned to Nashville and we were kind of like deciding like, okay, do we really want to still go on this trip? Like my wife's recovering, we're sad, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, you know what? We already paid for this trip. Let's just go. Maybe it'll turn our spirits around. And it totally did. It was a really cathartic experience. But one of the things we did when we were there was go visit the house of uh, Tammy Wynette. And it was pretty cool to see just kind of this country royalties home there. Um, and man, are there some awesome, beautiful old homes in Nashville. So if you get a chance to go through there, highly recommend going to check out uh, not only her house, but the country music uh, museum there. It's kind of funny. They have Taylor Swift's face pasted everywhere in the country music museum because she donated a ton of money there. I don't think she would be uh, featured very prominently there considering she kind of turned her back on country um, if she hadn't donated so much money. But uh, good for her for donating that. And um, it's a really cool museum where you get to see things like Johnny Cash's coat, his black suit. Um, I, like, to be honest, museums sometimes are really hit or miss, especially when it comes to like non-painting art museums. Like when they have the props, it's like, okay, cool. I see a random pair of shoes. But man, this one does it different. It just, it's so good. It's probably one of my favorite museums I've ever visited. So if you're rolling through Nashville, check it out. And yeah, if you're interested in the show, uh, that dropped Sunday and it's on Showtime, George and Tammy. Uh, that's pretty much, yeah, wraps it up for news and, um, weekly releases. So let's jump into making a Star Wars part two, the impact felt around the galaxy. The lightsabers, the famous one-liners, the groundbreaking special effects. Star Wars has left a galactic footprint the size of the Death Star, but perhaps most impressive is the way it has permeated popular culture for over four decades. Not in just a hey that was a good movie for its time kind of way, but in a millions of people building their identity around it, attending conventions, tattooing their bodies, and slapping Baby Jedi on board stickers on the back of their minivans. When Star Wars released in 1977, it was a critical and audience success that won six Academy Awards. That alone is an astounding achievement, but the legacy? The legacy is essentially unrivaled. I'm sure you take me on my word, but let's take a look at the numbers. Since that year, 381 books have been published, 12 feature films which have garnered over $10 billion have been released, 4 physical theme park iterations of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge have launched, and hundreds of comic book issues, toys, and TV episodes with incredible properties like The Mandalorian and Andor have been released. Okay. So big picture, we can say Star Wars does numbers. It wins the awards, makes all of the money, and continues to pump out New York Times bestsellers, shows, movies, games, and toys at an insane clip. But if we want a clearer picture of the cultural impact, we need to dive deeper. We need to look at the micro, like Steve Sansweet, who owns about 500,000 unique pieces of Star Wars memorabilia and started Rancho Obi-Wan, a publicly supported nonprofit museum that allows people to come and enjoy his collection. How about the $26.5 million Star Wars themed mansion in Hidden Hills, California? Famous, pro famous entrepreneur and best-selling author James L. Tucher, who watched Star Wars over 30 times the year it was released and cried when Empire Strikes Back finally released three years later. He showed up to the theater six hours early and wasn't even in the first hundred people in line. Hardcore fandom isn't just for those with Money. In fact, that's one of the things that makes it unique, its ability to cross racial, social, and geographical barriers. Carrie and Corey Shields met while interning with Disney. While dating, Corey started
started sharing a lesser-known Star Wars fact from the extended universe. She responded by saying, I love you, and the rest was history. With a Star Wars themed wedding and all. Or how about Nick Meyer, who built a two-story replica of the AT-AT walker in his front yard, quickly forcing his HOA to turn to the dark side. Now anyone who has seen the movie can attest to the quality of the film. Campy at times, yes, but always heartfelt and without a doubt has that it factor that allows it to hold up decades later, unlike many other movies from that era. But it also has something else that many films of its day were not offering. Escapism. The bombastic outfits, sounds, and space opera setting provided a real release from the major events of the day, namely the Vietnam War. Ironically, even though Star Wars provided audiences with a great escape from the horrors of war, it was in fact very much inspired by it. As George put it, a large technological empire going after a small group of freedom fighters. The director himself had been rejected for the draft because of diabetes, and prior to Star Wars had wanted to create a documentary-style anti-war film about the conflict. He began to develop the film that eventually would be called Apocalypse Now, and was penned by friend John Millis, the real-life inspiration for The Big Lebowski's Walter. The project ended up landing in the lap of his film school buddy and co-founder of Zotrope Studios, Francis Ford Coppola, as George focused full-time on Star Wars. Star Wars had a fantastical, cathartic effect for many. George's dream of creating his own Flash Gordon-like story was fully realized, and managed to balance criticizing government overreach while still being a popcorn flick. People were able to get what they wanted from it. Those looking for a space western got it, and those who were looking for another layer also got it. In fact, in the years coming, it would weave itself back into the governmental dialogue via fandom.com. In 1983, the year Return of the Jedi was released, U.S. President Ronald Reagan announced the development of the Strategic Defense Initiative. The SDI was a controversial program to defend the United States from nuclear attacks, including the use of laser weapons and space-based satellites. Some critics like Senator Ted Kennedy nicknamed it the Star Wars program to suggest how unrealistic and impractical it seemed. This may have been influenced by another speech Reagan delivered only a few weeks earlier in which he described the Soviet Union as an, quote, evil empire. A similar phrase was used in the opening of Star Wars, and because of Reagan's background as an actor, some people began to associate the president with the series. All right, that wraps up episode 30. Thanks for joining me for this second installment of the Making of Star Wars series, The Impact Felt Around the Galaxy. Next week, we'll have our third and final installment of this series. And then after that, the week before Christmas, um, kind of the last episode of the year, I wanted to do a retrospective episode with my buddy Parker Stanley. We'll basically be looking at the year, talking about the best films and movies, um, and kind of, you know, what we thought really stood out this year. So thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next week. We don't